Hello and welcome to the latest in our Is Anyone Listening podcast series, in which we hear directly from people on low incomes about the issues that affect them. I'm Paul Brook, I'm the Chief Copywriter at the Joseph Roundtree Foundation, working on how we talk about poverty in the UK. In this episode, coming from Newcastle, we'll be talking about how children are losing out at school because of a hidden injustice in how the free school meal system works. An investigation by community organising charity Citizens UK has found that children who are entitled to free school meals in secondary schools are losing out on roughly £65 million a year because they're unable to keep any unused changed from their meal allowance. Today we're joined by three people who are involved in the Just Change campaign to redesign the system so that children who need free school meals aren't held back by hunger and stigma and can reach their potential. So firstly, um, we'll go to Sheila. Morning, Sheila. Good morning. I'm Canon Sheila Bamba and I work with Citizens UK up here in Tyne and Weir. I'm part of the founding alliance. I'm also a vicar in the Church of England and I've worked in schools a lot. So I'm passionate about uh, proper opportunities for all children in our schools and for them having the very best start in life. But we're also absolutely passionate about this particular issue, which came to our attention when we were doing some listening work across the northeast, and it was raised by a student in a school. So that's where it all started. Great. And um, Maura? Yes, I'm uh, Maura Regan. I'm CEO of Carmel Education Trust, which is uh, an academy trust um, in the northeast with uh, 10 schools at this moment in time, uh, three secondary, and the rest are primary. The... Um, the campaign, I suppose, came to us when uh, a representative from Citizens UK and the Tyne and Weir branch actually came and talked to, to head teachers. And once I heard about the uh, Just Change campaign and how we were actually, with an unintended consequence, depriving young people of what was rightly, rightfully theirs, then I decided to act. And so now we are involved very heavily in the campaign. Thanks, Maura. Katie? I'm Katie McSherry from Children Northeast. Uh, Children Northeast run services for children, uh, young people, and their families across the region. Um, a theme that comes up all the time is poverty, and uh, we have a program called Poverty Proofing the School Day, which I'll talk more about through the show. Um, and uh, through Poverty Proofing, we also heard a lot about um, issues around free school meal delivery and um, worked closely as a member of Tyne and Weir Citizens um, to develop the Just Change campaign. Um, and we've also Poverty Proof Morris School. Excellent. So this is something that's come directly from school pupils themselves. Um, Sheila, perhaps you could start by telling us just a bit more about the campaign and how it started. When we first started the Citizens Alliance up here, we did a big listening campaign across all our institutions, so across churches, mosques, schools, other society institutions, universities and so on. And the key question we were getting people to ask was about what what is it that has the most adverse impact on your family, community, working life um, and what would you like to see changed? That's how we came at it. And we had lots of stuff about about poverty, actually, in its various guises, including a whole uh, load of things about the living wage, which is one of Citizens UK's key campaigns. But a child in one of the schools asked, just asked, what happens to the change from my free school meals? Um, and we heard that and listened and listened to it and uh, picked up follow up and realised that not many people really knew what happened to the change about free school meals in particular though that it wasn't going to certainly the children in that school 
to the young people in that school who were getting whatever they needed for the day at whatever cost it was. And if there was any allowance left over, then it vanished somewhere. So that's how it started. Um, we poked around a bit in the whole issue because we, we did some investigative stuff about who controls the free meals system. And it becomes quite tricky, really. So I certainly remember going to school and asking the head teacher, uh, not Maura, um, what, what, you know, how does it work in your school? And he said, hmm, I don't really know. And I don't even really know how much money we exactly get into our budget for this, because in our local authority, it's all wrapped up in a whole package of stuff. Um, and it's really hard to kind of keep track of it. So he went away to do a bit of investigating and joined the party. Um, and so that was the school end. And then we realised that there was a contractual issue potentially with some of the private providers as well. Um, and school meals contracts are incredibly complicated. I think what we're seeing is a system that isn't really working as well as it could. Well, it works in the sense that it provides food and good food. Um, so, so let's not lose sight of the fact that actually the provision of the meals is a good thing. But in terms of people getting their entitlements, uh, and particularly those who are the most hungry, uh, it's not as effective as it should be. And you've heard yeah. about this through your work on Poverty Proofing, the school day, haven't you, Katie? Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So Poverty Proofing started in 2011. Uh, we began, we got a grant to really engage with children around what some of the issues that they were experiencing were. And they said that the worst place to be poor was actually in school, which surprised us a lot. And through um, sort of Poverty Proofing is about listening to the voice of every child in the school to understand their experience and how those on the lowest incomes may be unintentionally treated differently and the issue of free school meals um, came up a lot around children being treated differently in, and I think the children would often talk about basically the consequences of this issue around where the change goes so that meaning that they they weren't eating their full allowance of that the money could have purchased or that they were hungry um say earlier in the morning but the money didn't go onto their account until lunchtime so there were lots of kind of things that that we started to see that were touching on the consequence of what's what's eventually become the just change campaign um to date we've um worked with um 180 schools across the country so in the northeast the northwest yorkshire and humber and in the southeast and we've we've spoken to 65,000 pupils about their experiences and this comes up time and time again that children are going to school hungry and that they are also facing stigma and and, and unintentional discrimination and also bullying and because they can be easily identified about whether they're on free school free school meals and that obviously affects kind of how, the, how they're able to achieve at school which more mm. will know much more about in, mm. in depth. Well let's come to you Maura and you can tell us a bit about uh, what you found from your schools. Yeah, I, I think if uh, if just building on what um, uh, Katie and, and Sheila have said, I think the first thing we have to say is that over time, head teachers, governors, um, teachers have tried systematically to make sure that children that are on free school meals are not actually um, shown up to be kind of different or that they're actually singled out as being different, etc. So there have been many systems over the years that have actually attempted to eradicate that difference between free school meal children and uh, other children. Um, and one of the 
big driving forces over time has actually been to go to an IT system because actually through an IT system, you actually eliminate the fact that children have to go to the till with a a ticket or that they have to actually say to the uh, person that's behind the till, oh, I'm on free school meals, but rather they actually have something loaded onto their system that actually just like any other child means they go through the till and it appears and they they get paid for it uh, and they can buy their meal. Now, the difficulty that has been proven through uh, the work of Citizens UK is that the unintended consequence of that of certain IT systems and I think I would like to say the majority if not all is that at the end of each day the money that it's uploaded for a child on free school meals is actually wiped away so what you have is a child that would normally a a child that actually pays to put money onto their account they keep that money until it's spent but for a child on free school meals if they don't spend it on the day that it's an, it's allotted to them then it's lost so there are a few things that actually happen as a consequence of that the first thing is the child doesn't have a responsibility of being able to choose for themselves what they want to eat how they balance their their spending uh, when they choose to eat whether that be at uh, the breakfast club after school when they might be hungry to take something home or at lunchtime the, the next thing is that children that are actually involved at lunchtime activities then would lose out because they too weren't accessing the money and it was lost. Um, and the big thing is that it's it's every child, every opportunity. So once you know that a system is wrong, it's wrong. And there's nothing that can be said or argued that can change that. So once it was raised to me, then my system in the three schools, the, the secondary schools in particular, that system's wrong, so it had to be changed. And we changed it immediately. And the consequence of that is that in one of those schools, to give you an example, £15,000 um, was lost to those children in one year, the year immediately before we actually introduced the change. Since we introduced the change, in the first term in one school, £5,000 more was accessed by children on free school meals. So the impact speaks for itself. Yeah, and that shows that something can be done about this as well. Um, How easy was that to do? Um, It was a a change in the actual uh, technical change, the programming of the IT system, and it cost the three schools just short of £800 between them. In other words, just over £200-something each. That's not a huge cost at all. Not when you're talking about £17,000 over a year. No. So, in um, one school. So. Yeah, so that's a great example of uh, where something can mm. be done to redesign mm. this system. Mm. Um, shall we talk a bit more about the impact that this has on the children themselves? Because um, obviously, from what you've been saying, during the school day, pupils who are getting free school meals have their options restricted compared to other students in the school. Have you seen that happening? Inevitably, there, there there is a restriction because, again, you know, free school meal children, uh, children that kind of are on the margins, don't like to show that they're actually on the margins. So they'll try to keep under the radar. So you you will find that children, uh, if they haven't got enough to spend or they actually can't get to the canteen at lunchtime, they're not going to go and tell somebody that they've not been entitled or they haven't got their entitlement. So, you know, the unintended consequences that we're actually, again, suppressing a very vulnerable group within our uh, school communities. 
Absolutely. And um, you've mentioned the stigma as well that um, students face. Um, we certainly we certainly had a story in the listening um, about a young a young lad who went and put um, their system charged uh, cards for the IT system through a cash slot machine. And he felt so badly about never going anywhere near the cash machine and never being seen near the cash machine that he used to go and put loose change in the cash machine just so that he behaved in a pattern like his peers. In our poverty proofing work, yeah. we see um, that children will choose the same meal every single day because they know that it will be below the sort of cost limit that's mm-hmm. allocated per day. And again, if mm-hmm. I think if if the the money was more flexible and could be rolled over after a child's been off, then there would be a little bit more give. But yes, yeah, certainly we see children's behavior adapting so that they can remain b- below this radar so that they're not at the front of the queue and the dinner lady says you can't afford that today and everyone in the queue behind them sees that so yeah definitely see um it affecting children's choices about what food they have they'll have a sandwich every day instead and then we've already touched on that there isn't you know they would never get the breakfast option because the because the way the money is set up doesn't do that and in all of the 180 schools that we have poverty proofed uh with the exception of carmel we, we haven't come across any schools who have made the changes needed to uh just allow that money which is allocated for those children in need of free school meals because there's a recognition that they're struggling to afford food, that 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 money isn't being all given to them. So for me, there's like a a justice issue here that that we recognise that they're in need and we've put money aside for that and that that money is not all going to them and that there are really simple things that we can do to change that. So the the children who've uncovered this injustice, um, what have they said about this? Have they about the campaign or about um, how they feel about this, this money it's being taken away from them effectively? Well, I think the first thing to, from my perspective, and I'm sure colleagues can talk about the wider context, but young people have a very keen sense of justice. So, you know, it, it, it this isn't about the children that are actually on free school meals. This is about all children that actually when they have realised and have come to uh, find out about this particular campaign, believe that it is so unjust to actually have this discrimination for, for some of their peer group. So, you know, from... Uh, young people's point of view, they have embraced it absolutely and completely. And in fact, this is why I think this campaign is so important, because as Sheila said, it's actually children that have raised the issue and it's them that actually see and experience the injustices among their own peer group. Just to come in on that, we've also come across children who are not on free school meals Mm. using their own dinner money to supplement for children who are on free school meals so that you know they can buy the cake and custard mm-hmm. in addition to the kind of meal deal mm-hmm. for those children so they don't stand out as much and you know children really taking mm-hmm. responsibility for others in their in their school which is wonderful but it's not that's you know that's not the system you know that's people making up for a system that doesn't work the other, the other thing about the citizens way of doing it is um we have encouraged young people to research the issue for themselves and also to contribute to the campaign in a variety of ways. And we were talking actually in the anteroom before about the possibility of going off to London with a group of children to meet the children's minister. Um, but 
in, at this stage in the campaign, not only have uh, several schools that we've worked with done some research, but they've also produced some amazing uh, podcasts for YouTube, um, setting out their experience, their research, and the, how they feel about it. Um, and it was really straightforward to get them to do that, but they felt very um, empowered by the idea that they could write to their head teacher. In one of the schools, they they decided that what they needed to do was have a meeting with the head teacher and they could have gone up and banged on the door and and kind of berated the secretary but they didn't they wrote a letter setting out what it was they were concerned about um, and sent it to him and he agreed to he agreed to meet with them but we set up a process that was formal and empowering and kind of tried to lower that difference in power so that the young people felt they were in control of what was going on and that's a really important thing for the citizens methodology but also for um, young people not only identifying injustices but actually then being given tools and skills to enable them to contribute to the writing of them because why would they not have power and agency in this I, I think I, I think you're right you know uh, Mandela actually said that education is the most powerful vehicle that you have to change the world and the beauty of the uh, just change campaign is not because it focuses on the children and they're on free school meals but actually it focuses on children in schools making sure that schools are a just an equitable place where everyone has the opportunity to achieve their full potential you can't actually achieve your full potential if you're going hungry no. so you know and you can't uh, achieve your full potential if you are seen as inferior so you know again to to make the point we didn't have a, a blaze of glory about the change in Carmel. We, we told the children and the parents uh, of children with free school meals that this was now going to happen. But you don't need to have bells and whistles for a campaign to be successful. You just have to make sure that it's just and that other mm -hmm. children in the school know that everyone is treated equally. It's about doing the right thing, yeah. essentially. Mm -hmm. So what kind of response has the campaign had so far? Do, what do teachers think about it? What do parents think about it? Well, I mean, again, I'll answer it from my point of view, from, uh, from the teacher's point of view in our school and, uh, and across the trust and the directors of the trust and the governors of each of the schools in the trust. They, like me, are kind of, you know, pretty appalled at the fact that we were uh, brought into a system that was so inequitable. Uh, and therefore, you know, we are champions of the cause and we think it's just right, fair. Uh, the money is that of the children and it should be given to the children. I think up until now, um, providers have been able to say that they weren't aware of the issue. And I think the question is now that this issue has gone national, has been across lots of national news outlets and in the media, whether people will act. And I think that now knowing what we know, um, that that is the true test. And that does take us very neatly on to uh, what is it we would like to see people doing in response to this campaign? Well, 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 we would like, my sense is that fundamentally, we would like every provider to change their practice so that every school and every child in this situation has... Uh, the opportunity to access their entitlement to free school meals and to, to get the food they need. Um, one of the main reactions that I've experienced so far it, over all the time I've been involved in this campaign is people being surprised, a bit like Maura saying she didn't know, she didn't realise, mm. because it's not a question that gets has been asked. Yeah. So, so the very fact that the question is being asked is good. And the other thing I discovered is that 
this is a really complicated system to do something really simple. So with the best will in the world, the, it was relatively easy for Mora to make the change because they are their own provider of, free, of meals. That's right, isn't it? Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, where you've now got, you've got other systems where um, the school contracts with a third party provider either um, directly contracts or contracts through the local authority. So, for instance, there's a local authority up in the northeast where they broker a contract for the majority of their schools with a, with a, with a preferred provider and their schools buy into that through an SLA. Those contracts are, are uh, I was going to use the word dense, I'm not quite sure whether that's a good word, but from a lay perspective, they're quite dense because they're in contractees. Um, I don't think the handling of the free school meals allocations for children has ever been a subject for those contracts other than there being a mechanism to credit and debit money wherever it comes from. Um, and so one of the things we would really, really like to do is to talk to providers um, and indeed, we have already talked to some about how, how that change can be made. Um, and sometimes it is as simple as a technological change, but sometimes I think it's going to turn out to be quite a complicated contractual thing, which doesn't mean it can't happen. It just means that um, up until now, some of the response has been, it's too complicated. Go away. It's too complicated. Actually, more has demonstrated and, and, and the schools that we're working with, it is not that complicated. Mm. Um, what you need is the will to make a change. So I guess there's, there's a few things then. So we're calling for the equal treatment of children, regardless of whether they're on free school meals or not, that the, the change should roll over so they can use it in a more flexible way. We'd like to see a written commitment from uh, providers of school school meals that they will uh, implement the just change system, uh, you know, recognizing that that might take a few conversations, but that the commitment, we want to see the commitment there. And I think there's also something about ring fencing free school meal money so that there is a bit more accountability. That money is put aside for the most vulnerable children in our society and it is not all going to them. And how, how is that the case? And how is it that we don't know where that money is going. So I think those are the kind of top two things we'd like to see happen in terms of what listeners can do. Um, we would really encourage listeners uh, who have children at school, who work in a school, to go in and speak to the school about what happens in the school regarding this issue. Where does the change from free, free school meal students go? And, and can they assure us that that money will will be retained for those children and um, there's, there's lots of resources that we have on the citizens website and um, that can support people to do that and we have an online action as well and mm. um, uh, so there's a lot yeah we, but there's a lot there's a lot that every single person in our society can do to make sure that those children are, are well looked after be, be clear that at this stage we're talking about cafeteria style systems in secondary schools because um, the primary school system works in a slightly different way. Um, and we're not campaigning on that for the moment. No. Um, because the the whole way the money is credited and the choices of eating and so on um, work in a, in a very different way. The thing that worries me most is that we, we talked about where does the money go? Well, the money kind of just oh, gets absorbed back into a system. Well, that's just not right. 
the money is there, we can calculate quite clearly, as can every school in the country, can calculate quite clearly what a child spends on food, how that is spent, what is left at the end of the day. We have the technology. We live in a technological Mm. age. Therefore, to say that it's too complicated is not actually right. What it means is there's probably got to be changes to um, the spending structures of providers, whether they be schools, local authorities or um, other providers. And that's the complication. And that's what has to be faced. So it's a system that can be redesigned. It just needs that kind of that movement of people demanding yeah. change yes. and, and raising yes. the profile of this. Any system can be redesigned where the, where the will exists to do it. Mm. Um, what we want is to, is to generate a climate where the will exists to straighten this out. I think if I, if I may to just add to that, you know, I've spoken to a few head teachers yesterday as a result of the, the campaign on the BBC Breakfast yesterday morning, and they too want to make the change because they too say, well, I didn't know it was happening. Now I know it's happening. I have to change it. So I think the impetus will come from head teachers and from teachers and parents. But it, it is about actually the, the, the big providers also being able to engage with, with uh, the schools, with Citizens UK to actually say that, yes, we need to make a change. So, and we know that 75,000 pupils uh, in secondary school uh, access free school meals. Um, For me, there's um, sort of uh, also wider issues out with this campaign um, around sort of what happens to those children in school holidays. At the minute, we don't have a system. You know, we recognise those children need support around food during school terms and and there's um, very little happening in the school holidays. Uh, Here in Newcastle we have Greta Defeta, a very notorious academic who's been researching this issue, who talks about summer holiday learning loss and that it can take from children going back to school in September to the October half term for children uh, from low economic backgrounds to kind of get back up to speed with where their learning was prior to breaking up for the summer because of issues around not having an adequate diet and not having uh, the kind of stimulation needed over the summer holidays and and, uh, so at Children of East, we've been part of developing some of the principles that are needed for uh, an adequate holiday provision around four hours a day, four days a week, four weeks of the summer holiday in order to address that attainment gap. Uh, the Education Policy Institute thinks that we will not address the attainment gap until 2155 at the rate we are currently yep. going. And for, for, I think for all of us in this room, that is just not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so around holidays, and I think there are also other questions mm-hmm. around what about those who are just beyond the free school mm-hmm. meal kind of yes. cut off that we know are struggling and struggling to afford food in schools. And so again, like Maura said, this 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 issue is about how free school meal um, are delivered, but this issue is much bigger as well than the free school meals and, and how equality works in schools and I think if schools can be a place of fairness and justice then we can begin to build a more fair and just society. We are seeing uh, child poverty rising again at the moment um, partly because families benefits have been frozen but there's other things like the rising cost of living. Um, Have we seen the effects of that in school and is this the free school meal injustice all part of that bigger picture that's locking families into poverty? 
Well, I think we, we, we're seeing kind of the effects of uh, everything that you've said there in across all schools. But I think that in some schools, particularly in the city schools, I think that there's probably an even greater um, problem in terms of actually the, the, the issues that children face in terms of poverty and living in poverty. I'm not saying that that's not the case in rural areas as well, but I think that it's perhaps more concentrated in the inner city areas. And, you know, there are some schools uh, where, you know, 45, 50% of children are uh, pupil premium children. Um, that 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 is indicative of nearly, you know, 50% of the children in a school actually are on or below the poverty line. So, you know, the it's a real issue. Um, and without getting into politics, I think that the important thing about this campaign is that it's not actually about politics. It's about what's happening in schools and it's hap- it's something that can be changed and it's not something that necessarily... It would be great if you had government support and certainly the minister spoke yesterday, did he not? Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is something that people on the ground at the chalk face, literally, can actually do something about. And therefore we can't blame it on government policy or otherwise. There might be other issues, but on this particular issue, we have the, the power and the responsibility to change so we should just change and it's something everyone can get behind it's very practical mm-hmm. measure isn't it um we're also seeing um how some schools are having to step in and help families out with things like washing or breakfast and sort of other day-to-day support um obviously it's great we're seeing that compassion in society but is it really right that schools should have to step in and do that i think that's a really interesting question because on one level you could instantly come in and say no it's not right it's not right but on the other hand um, it takes a community to raise a child and it's not just schools that step in it's churches voluntary groups uh, parent teacher associations all sorts of people Um, and the rise of food banks for instance which is a key support mechanism for many families is actually the work largely of the churches Um, that's where it started and I think that um, it's too easy to go down the route of, well, we shouldn't be doing it. Somebody else should be doing something. And actually, we have a collective responsibility for the well-being of our society. And so there is definitely a thread of argument for me that says, bring it on. You know, if we can help each other, that's really good. That's one strand of a thing. And then separately, if there are structural injustices, then we need to do things to tackle the structural injustices. But you ca- you have to have a both and in step approach because a compassionate society will actually act in the moment to care for individuals and to care and to build strong communities. And together we can do it. And structural solutions quite often come from, in our in our Western society, structural solutions come out of the democratic system, and the democratic system is rooted in communities. And so if mm. communities can recognise where there are injustices and both do things locally and play it up into the national picture, that's brilliant. And if this campaign does that and opens up the just change so that we get change locally in schools and we get awareness nationally of another plank in the whole well-being thing for families in poverty then we will get national change as well and the children's minister is beginning to recognize that there might be something to talk about here at least and you know in due time to act i think just add what sheila said there as well if the the issue of poverty is so colossal 
mm-hmm. that if we were just looking at that in the round, we would never do anything. You know, change begins with small steps. Mm-hmm. Change begins, as, as Sheila has said, there in the community. And then it actually pans out from there. And therefore, you know, what you do in schools, what you do in the community actually hopefully emanates out to the wider community, the wider regions, etc., etc. So, you know, we have to start where we can make a difference. It's no good blaming anyone else and say, well, this is somebody else's fault. This is someone else's problem. Um, for me, it's something that I recognise that we didn't do right and we have to change. Mm. And that's the most important thing. And I think um, that ties into the work that we've done together mm. around how do we poverty-proof schools mm. so they're not a place in which children experience this kind of double disadvantage, not only of living in poverty, but having that kind of reinforced in the school day. So I definitely agree there are things that schools can do to minimise the, the impact of socio economic disadvantage on children's education and their social development. You know, we hear about schools being the fourth emergency service and I, I think um we need to we need to yeah be really mindful that challenges around food, around free school meals, they they're the consequence as well of rising levels of, of child poverty and, and families increasingly struggling. Um of, of, my understanding, our understanding is that we we are seeing this kind of ongoing narrative that the what children really need to get out of poverty is for their families to work more and more. And, um, uh, you know, figures out this year say that 73% of children live in a family where one parent is working. So for me, very directly uh, in terms of, so schools can do things to um, mitigate the impacts of that and ensure they're not reinforcing disadvantage. But at the same time, we need to be thinking about what what is happening in children's lives outside of school? What does in-work poverty look like from a child's perspective? And what are some of the practices, employment practices that need to be put in place to ensure that children are growing up in homes with enough money and enough kind of quality parent time? So I think the Living Wage campaign is a really, really important campaign, which again is back to what can each of us do? Each of us can go and approach employers, employers about becoming accredited as living wage employees employers because I think the way that work looks you know we've heard that 90% of jobs created uh, over the last year have not been sort of full-time employed jobs so so when we talk about increasing levels of employment and increasing levels of child poverty at the same time that there needs to be something around what does work look like for children and families as part of the discussion too. I think if, if I may Paul um, you know from a personal note my father was a minor you know, so I've lived in impoverished communities. Um, and for me, therefore, um, this campaign is is, is, is passionate. It's, it's absolutely what we're about. But also the living wage. You know, there isn't a member of staff that's employed across the trust uh, of Carmel Education Trust that hasn't got the real living wage and above. So, you know, we can all make a difference. And... The living wage is a fundamental platform thing for citizens who are also, we are also working on um, uh, provisionally called Fair Work, the campaign, which is actually about kind of the whole thing uh, about working conditions, contracts and all of those kind of things, uh, working hours, patterns of work and all of that to make sure that not only is work paid equitably and at a rate that um, people kind of allows people to afford to live well and for their well-being to flourish. But actually the working environment is good as well. 
um, and that's becoming an increasing an increasing concern. So um, does that include things like the flexibility of work for, yeah. say, parents, mm-hmm. or uh, yes, the security all of those as well? Yes, and so, security. Yeah. Security of work is a real is a real big issue, and that impacts directly then on children because children whose families are in insecure work are insecure children. And we can also see sort of how that links in with um, the social security system that um, if people's hours are um, varying a lot, then that affects the payments mm-hmm. they get from universal credit. So it's all kind of part of this this puzzle all fits together and locks families in poverty. And we've, we're, we're, we've opened out into the big puzzle, but we need to hang on to the piece that says there are small things we can mm-hmm. do, uh, points in the puzzle which will make a real difference. And campaigning on the real living wage is another one of those. So, so citizens has increased in Tyne and Weir. We've increased the number of accredited living, real living wage employers from 30 to 90 in two years. But we've got a long way to go. Absolutely. So um, what's next for the campaign? Where do we where do we go from this point? Uh Next is we respond to all these wonderful people who have uh, contacted us as a result of all the PR, which is be fabulous, and we encourage and work with schools individually to make a change. Uh, next is we would like some really great conversations with providers um, to begin to understand and to make things more transparent. Um, and we've had an invitation from one of the major providers to meet already, so we're working on that. Uh, and within that, uh, I passionately, in my part of this campaign, would like to see... Uh, students and uh, families involved in in making those negotiations real because at the end of the day this is about real people with real lives and real stories to tell and um, as soon as we start to spiral up we very often get away from that and into kind of structural political arcane adult conversation and we need to focus stay focused on children and what yeah. they need well as, as, as Sheila says as well you know the the it's it's multifaceted isn't it you have to you have to work at the at the grassroots uh, with the children and making sure they're making a difference you have to work with the intermediates in terms of head teachers who can put pressure on whoever provides their catering uh, and then you've got to work with the big organizations that may or may not provide the the, the catering so there is a you know there's a, a three-stranded or three-tiered mm. approach that has to has to go hand in hand and hopefully that that will make a difference and in doing that the only other thing I would say in terms of uh, the school environment, it would be helpful, I think, if the money for free school meals was very clearly disseminated down from uh, government through uh, funding streams. At this moment in time, it is a bit more of a complex way in which that funding comes into school. It's very different to the pupil premium money is very different to the sports premium money you know and therefore it can get lost and perhaps that's one of the reasons why we find ourselves in this situation today so a very much clearer uh, funding stream that comes from government or through the gag uh, would be um, most appropriate. Katie, Sheila, Maura thanks very much for joining us today Um, so we've been hearing about the uh, campaign Just Change. You can find out more about that on the Citizens UK website at citizensuk.org forward slash just hyphen change. And 
In terms of what you can do, go into your secondary schools, uh, talk to them about this, find out where the money is going and what they can do to change the system. Because as we've heard today, there are things people can do and it's not always difficult or expensive to achieve. It's definitely a system we can redesign. Thanks for joining us today on Is Anyone Listening? Uh, I've been Paul Brook and we'll see you next time. Thank you.